Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa State Cyclones went toe-to-toe with Kansas last night in Lawrence. Taylor Horton Tucker, a big reason why. Wigginson finds Halliburton, and it looked like he passed up a layup. Step back three, Horton Tucker. That's good. The call from ESPN. That three gave Iowa State a six-point lead. Kansas responded with a 14-0 run. But in a two-point game, this sealed it for the Jayhawks. 25 to go. Lawson for three. Yes! Kansas 80, Iowa State 76. The Cyclones are off until Saturday when they travel to Ole Miss. Also in the Big 12 last night, Baylor with a road win at West Virginia, 85-73. And in the Big 10, Michigan State runs past Maryland, 69-55. Rutgers knocks off Nebraska, 76-69. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. Time to pay your bills with fourteen sixty KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword "taxi" to two hundred two hundred right now for your chance to win one thousand dollars. That's "taxi" to two hundred two hundred right now. Message and data rates apply. Let's talk to our old buddy Zubin Mahente, shall we? Uh, he joins the program as we go round the world of sports with Zubin. Zubin, Trent, and Ken. Good to talk to you. How are you? Doing great. Amazing night last night. I don't know if you guys saw play hit his first 10 threes. Harden Street continued. Kansas and Iowa State was great. Pretty darn good coming off that Sunday. It's a pretty good stretch of sport. No, you know what? Even going back to Saturday, Saturday was terrific with all the unbeatens going down and into Sunday was spectacular. Uh, and then last night, you're right, it was a, it was a very good night. Uh, let's start with Sunday, Zubin, and maybe the trickle down from the, in particular, the NFC championship game with the pass interference. Look, it's, it's going to, I think, take a, an impact, uh, like we saw in New Orleans to maybe precipitate a rule change. And what seemingly is, uh, is gathering momentum is the way it's done in the CFL that they may borrow that as far as making pass interference calls and non-calls, both part of the review process. I did, I checked a, a Reuters article out today. Apparently this last season in the CFL, there were, Forty-eight percent of the challenged calls were overturned. I think the number was somewhere around fifty, so just shy of twenty-five. They were overturned. Could you see that being the, um, you know, the the result of what we saw that there is a rule change and that they do adopt maybe the CFL rule? I think it's possible to even exacerbate that point in the CFL. They actually had the Grey Cup, which is like the Super Bowl, as you know, the Grey Cup essentially turn right. on a huge pass interference play. So. Again, this is the NSU Championship game one step away from the Super Bowl. But in their biggest team in their league, uh, they had a call like that essentially alter the outcome of the championship. So that does say something. I think, obviously, Sean Payton being on the competition committee, mm-hmm. that's a huge factor. And I think when they meet, he's never been a wallflower. I mean, remember, this is a guy that's been suspended for a year. Right. Uh, this is a guy that's been involved in all sorts of things, uh, whether that was justified or not. He's not afraid to mix it up, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in that particular realm. And obviously, that committee has the power to do it. He'll be on it. This call obviously has such a drumbeat and has so much momentum behind some sort of change being made. But right now, I think, you know, if you're Al Riveron, who's the head of the officiating, and it's funny, when I see 
Mike Pereira out there on Fox or, or Dean Blandino on Fox or Dean Serator on CBS. I think a lot of those guys are thinking to themselves, they're almost kind of like, whew, glad that's not me that's having to deal with that because that doesn't negatively affect Al Riveron. You know, he didn't go out there and miss that call. And obviously those officials are judged on the basis of how well they do in the regular season to get those assignments. So these guys have been deemed among the best officials in the NFL this season or they wouldn't have got that NFC Championship game assignment. So you can't really blame Al Riveron. He's basically just asking his guys to go out there and execute. But I would imagine he's feeling all sorts of heat for that sort of decision. But I would agree with you. I think something is going to happen, and I think the impetus is going to be Sean Payton on that committee. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of other coaches around the league that are saying to themselves and not verbalizing it, you know, boy, I would hate to see. And I think Peyton actually said this in his uh, post-game press conference on Sunday. It was a little drowned out because the first thing he said was, I just got a call from the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the league has really not said anything at that point. Everything else was secondary. It was all white noise after that comment. But he did say, I hope no other team in the league loses the game the way that we lost the game today. And I think a lot of other coaches are silently probably nodding and saying, we would absolutely hate to be on the other end of that. So I think something is probably going to have to happen. Zubin Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, he had an article yesterday talking about the power of the commissioner. Now, that was a bad no-call. It was a bad no-call. I think we can all agree very easily about that. But it wasn't egregious enough that you can overturn the result of the NFC Championship game. Is there a scenario that you could see that realistically Goodell could come question. in and say, you know what? I'm changing the result here. Is there anything in your mind that you could even go to to figure out a scenario where that could actually happen? I don't, because I think then you have to go back to you know Don Denkin Street. There's so many comments <laughs> yeah. overturned. That's right? a great one, yeah. You can bring to the table. Yeah. And I just think that sometimes it's human error. <laughs> things happen. Things are missed. They miss Chris Weber's travel. Uh-huh. You know, all those sorts of things. Um, and those are moments in sports history. Those are indelible images that, unfortunately, when you think about those guys, it's the first sentence, right, no matter what the guy has accomplished or done in his life. And so I think sometimes human error is just part of the game. Uh, I, I even heard Rich Eisen, who you know obviously is the face of the league network, say yeah. that he thinks that all plays should be reviewable. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, you're in a situation here where it's not like you can challenge a call because there was actually no call made. So obviously, you have to think about that aspect of it. It's not like you're challenging a flag that was thrown. There was nothing thrown. So what are you challenging? And just a simple fact that, uh, you know, this is 2019. It's the best time in the world to be alive. Uh, you have the greatest technology available, and people are still worried about making sure we can get stuff done in 20 seconds versus 90 seconds. And, like, that's going to make a huge difference. I mean, that's the thing that I've always been skeptical about. Well, it's going to slow down the pace of the game. When the game stakes are this high, and we're talking about a minute, a minute, 20 seconds, a minute, 30 seconds, 70 seconds here, 70 seconds there, people act like that's just an unbelievable breach of their time. And considering you're sitting there watching a college football game for three and a half hours or this game for three hours, the idea that you can't sit there for another 70 to 90 seconds when these guys have been out there since OTAs to get it right, I always chuckle at that. Well, we can't slow down the pace of the game. When the stakes are what they are, I think everybody would wait until the call was correct. And I've never really understood why baseball is like, oh, my goodness, we just shaved five minutes off the game this year mm-hmm. by not letting guys get out of the box and now games are only three hours instead of three hours and five minutes. I just don't think those sorts of things at the end of the day resonate with the fan at all. It's good for a number cruncher. 
Um, but I just find the whole idea that this would slow down the pace of the game just to be a silly argument. Zuma from ESPN is uh, with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Zubin, I don't know if you noticed this or if it, if it uh, resonated with you like it did me, and maybe it's uh, Tom Brady has showed the unbridled passion of winning a championship game that's presenting an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. And maybe it has a whole lot to do with where he is on, on uh, in, in his life. Uh, that maybe this might be the last time they get back. I know we've said that before, but what jumped off this television set to me was as soon as Rex Burkhead crashed into the end zone, the helmet comes off, the arms go in the air, the smile comes over his face. He was overcome with emotion. I'm not sure I've seen Tom Brady like that after A, winning a Super Bowl or a championship before. Did you notice that? Oh, no question. So we were just standing by to go live on ESPN as soon as the game ended and obviously we went to overtime so we were just sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and the second that they scored we just said all right let's go we had all of our people we were waiting for boomer and tj who were back for a week to do nfl prime time so we were just kind of locked in on everything and uh my co-anchor michael Eves, who i work with we were with after with lou riddick and uh ryan clark he he just showed me a picture on his phone it's exactly what you said when burkhead goes in and the helmet comes off somebody had just taken like a screen grab from CBS or it was just like a quick photo that somebody had taken on the field and he showed it to me and he said doesn't that look like the first one? Meaning mm-hmm. doesn't that feel like the one 18 years ago? His eyes were just bulging out of his, his, his head. The smile across his face was huge. He had an incredulous look on his mug. His hands were in the air and it sort of looked like that old moment 18 years ago and they said you're the Super Bowl MVP, and you get the Ford <laughs> F-150. Your life is changed. <laughs> that sucks to me. And it had that sort of look on it, and obviously so many things have happened since he once won that pickup truck, which he thought was going to be such a huge deal. Yeah. Things have turned out all right. But it looked just like that. And the one thing I would say is there was a great line in The Athletic. I wish I could give you the writer's name. I don't have it in front of me. They just talked about basically there's a piece yesterday or that just said that this guy's got no equal. And it talked about how Joe Montana was actually at the game mm-hmm. on Sunday. And obviously, the, you know, they're inextricably linked because, you know, Brady was at the NFC title game with the catch as a kid at Candlestick when Montana threw it, and Montana was his idol. And the last line of the piece was something like, an amazing game that Joe Montana was in the house for and so was the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And I thought mm. it was just a great way to sum it up. You get the Patriots back again, now for the ninth time. How do they travel? How are they going to make their way down to you? Ticket prices are relatively affordable based on that very reason, Trent Condon. But the other part of it is the Rams. Though not a new franchise, the move from St. Louis, a place that they were in the past. So you still have Rams fans there. But how do you believe Rams fans are going to travel? What kind of excitement there's going to be? People are going to watch. It's the Super Bowl. Everybody's going to watch. But... How about the Rams fans? Are you going to see a lot of them, you think, run around down there uh, in the Deep South? I think you will, and I think this is a very general statement, but I think it's true on the surface, and this could have long-term ramifications. Nobody bandwagons like L.A. I mean, nobody bandwagons like L.A. Now, obviously, you've got to make the trip. This isn't like going out to the Coliseum or anything like that. And I understand McVay earlier in the season when they ran out of the tunnel against the Packers and the Rams got booed at home, and it felt like there were a ton of Cowboy fans at the divisional game. But I will say that I do think the combination of them, like you said, having a history. I mean, they've had Eric Dickerson out there. They've had a lot of guys out there, the ambassadors. That'll help. The newness of it will help. 
they are the story right now. The Dodgers routinely draw three million, but it's not baseball season. And LeBron is a story, but right now he's not playing. I mean, he could be back by the weekend, but right now the Lakers are out of the playoffs, and certainly the Lakers are a number one. And obviously, when the Super Bowl ends, everybody will be focused on them. But right now, the Rams have the attention of that city. They have a little history. Um, they're perfect for LA. They're hot. They're different. They're fresh. And in LA, those three things really matter. They win. They win with a lot of style. So I definitely think you're going to see some Rams fans show up. I definitely think you're going to see a lot of people pulling for the Rams just because their name is not the Patriots. That's definitely going to help from a uh, down the middle fan perspective. And when they move into this stadium with the Chargers, to have this sort of momentum, if they're having, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but if they're having trouble selling any TSLs, this is going to put an end to all of that because their nucleus is so young. They went for it this year. That's the one thing you can't underestimate. While other teams are worried about how do we afford players, our quarterback's coming up for a gigantic deal. They said, I don't care. We'll get Tlaib. We'll get Sue. We'll get Donald. He'll hold out. He'll get the money he wanted at the end of the day. Goff's on his rookie deal. Gurley's making more than anybody in his position has ever made, guaranteed. And we are absolutely, positively going for it. And I think all of that together is going to be a real, real boost. You'd be interested to see, up until this season, uh, the first season back, the TV ratings were pretty good. The next year, they went 11-5 and with McVay, made the playoffs, and the TV ratings went down in L.A. So you can never really tell what's going on in that market. But I think at this particular stage, they've got it, they've got it exactly where they want it. And I think you're actually going to see some res- residual effects for the Chargers, too. Hmm. Zubin Mahente, ESPN, is our guest. Zubin, um, who's the best team in college basketball right now? I think it is the Vols. We had Bill Hassan after the Duke game on Saturday on SportsCenter. And I, I asked him that question. I said, listen, uh, Virginia had a one-in-one week. Beat Tech, lost to Duke. Duke had a one-in-one week. Lost to Syracuse, beat Virginia. Michigan obviously lost. Uh, and then um, you also have a situation where Tennessee escaped. And uh, where do you have it? And he basically said, I think the Vols are number one. And I think he's right. Um, they've never been to a Final Four. Good story. Um, they're back at number one for the first time since 2008. They have a great one-two combination and a hungry coach mm-hmm. who probably got rode out of Texas and his replacement, frankly, has been underwhelming and not done a great job. And here Rick Barnes is on the verge of another Final Four. Admiral Schofield um, was lightly recruited and uh, won't surprise you to know that his father was in the Navy. <laughs> and Grant Williams was the preseason SEC Player of the Year and the reigning player of the year. Um, and I think the SEC is pretty darn good. I mean, there's a good one tonight between Mississippi State and Kentucky. Kentucky, for all their foibles, is back in the top ten. Mississippi State's finally playing the way they thought they would under Howland. And I think you're in a situation where right now I think Tennessee's one loss was to Kansas in overtime, and that pretty much stands up well. I will tell you, Bill has said, and I agree with him, after the Virginia game, there were so many people saying, what happened to their pack line defense? Zion and RJ combined 57. I mean, this is a team that doesn't even give up a half a hundred to anyone. They give up 57 to RJ and Zion. But if you really take a look at the situation, you could walk away with that game and say, yeah, they didn't have Trey Jones. But Virginia didn't hit any shots. They were terrible from deep. And they were in a one-possession game on the road. And Duke was hungry and desperate after that loss to Syracuse. They're going to play again February 9th on a Saturday, same tip time. And this time I think you're going to see Virginia come on out. But I think at this particular point with the way Michigan lost 
And the way Wisconsin's looked this year, not being particularly great, the computers, for whatever reason, still love Wisconsin. They don't pass the eye test. I think half is great, minus the free throw shooting. They don't pass the test. But I do believe the Vols have earned the right to be the number one team in the country. If they're the number one team in the country, who's the best player in the country? Is it Zion Williamson? Yeah, I think so. I don't think you have to overthink this one. I think Zion is definitely, definitely there. Just because of the combination of things that he's able to do. And he's not even Duke's leading scorer. I mean, it's tough to say someone's the best player in the country when you're not your team's leading scorer. But at the end of the day, there's just so many things he does to impact the game. Now, obviously, his free throw shooting needs to be a little bit better. He was not very good at the free throw line again on Saturday. Now, he's not like half. He's not shooting 49% from the line, which is really a mystery when you think about it, considering how great of a player he is. But I think for any argument to be made, you can make an argument you know, for Grant Williams, for Tennessee. I think he's had a great season. You can make an argument for a bunch of different players. You really can. But I just think sometimes it's not just the impact that Zion is making. And there's been so much talk. I want to be known as more as a dunker. Look, I'll tell you this. They tried to do something with him on game day Saturday, and he said no. Hmm. Um, if you've noticed, if you've noticed, at his uh, post-game press conferences, this is something that you don't often see because a lot of times Zion is interviewed on the court after a game. Um, but he's desperately trying to fit in as much as possible, as much as somebody like him can. So when game day said, hey, can we do something on you? He was like, you know, I really don't want to uh, highlight myself. I'd rather do something about the team, whereas our, our audience and our public is just obsessed with Zion. But if you ever see Zion in the locker room uh, do an interview, uh, again, it's not as, not as often as you see him on the court, um, he sits right next to one of the team's walk-ons when he does the interview. And there was one game against Texas Tech in New York where they played at the Guardian where obviously the New York media came out in droves. Is this the guy that's going to save the Knicks? Because the Knicks are 10 and 35, believe it or not. And when they asked Zion a question, he would answer it. And sometimes he would even deflect it to his teammate that doesn't even see the floor. Um, so he's one of those sorts of guys. Like he's trying to do everything he can to make it about the team. But when you've got like 1.7 or something, 1.8 million Instagram followers, and you do what you do, it's hard to have the attention be on anybody but yourself. But he is doing his absolute best to try to involve the entire team. Uh, I don't think it's working, but it's a noble idea. Mm. Zuba Mahente, ESPN. Zubin, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you a week from today. Thank you, Zubin. Of course, guys. Thanks. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zuba Mahente, ESPN. I want to spend a couple of minutes on your question. All right, the and NFL the, question. Yes, it was an excellent question. As what to, would it take? And, and maybe people can help us out. Uh, what, there's nothing, Trent. What would it take... For the for, for Roger the Goodell, Goodell to go back, say yesterday, and to change the outcome of that game. How do you? I mean, did you see there was a lawsuit filed today? Oh, of course, yes. Uh, by a New Orleans season ticket holders, a group of New Orleans Saints season ticket holders who want the game to be the the game to be the the call to be overturned, and the remainder of the game to be replayed. Replay it. Yeah. Well, as so we need the Rams holding- to get back to. Get to to New, New Orleans, Orleans. sure. Yep. Uh, if you kept your ticket stub, we're going to let you in the building okay. to watch the final couple of minutes. I still have my ticket uh, of the Saints minus three. Can I hold on to that? Whoa. What about all those people that have already cashed? Well, By the way, did you see, and this is a brilliant um, um, marketing plan, Point Bets is a company. They're UK-based. They're a gambling company. Um a sports betting, sports booking company. They're bookmakers. <laughs> Long way getting to what they actually are. And they, Point Bets USA is 
If you bet in New Jersey and you had the Saints, mm-hmm. they're going to refund your ticket Ooh. because of the egregious call at the end. I didn't bet with them. Well, you can't. You're not in New Jersey. But, I mean, clearly that's a, that's, that's a marketing investment. That's brilliant. I mean, but where's it going to end, though, right? Are they going to, you know, if there's a bad call at home plate at um, game 84 of 162 games, will they be willing to do that? Of course they wouldn't. But that was a good marketing play because they're brand new. They just got they just got licensed in New Jersey. I have no idea how much money we're talking about here, but that was a good play, a good ploy on their part. Uh, Corey wants to join the program. Do you have a catastrophic event that Roger Goodell would overturn the result of a football game based on what, Corey? Sure. Let's go back ten years. To all the helmet to helmet trying to kill Brett Favre. Yeah, okay. Listen to these Saints fans is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the crap they got away with, and the fact that Sean Payton is still allowed to coach suspended I'm, for a year. Yeah, please, it's time to be quiet about it, Saints fans. He got beat. There's a bad call in every game. I could rip out 15 bad calls during that Rams game. It just just because it happened at one moment doesn't mean that you get to have a do over. I mean. If that be the case, I want 2009 back again because they deserve that over well past this stupid play. Thanks, Corey. Anyway, Appreciate the call. Thanks, guys. Yep, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, but we're still looking for that one thing. What, what's it going to take to overturn? There, the answer is there is nothing. Because it has to be something that isn't reviewable. That's that's number one, and this is about the only thing that... So what was the rule written for? The rule Somebody went to the trouble of putting this rule on the table... Whoever was in on the competition committee when mm-hmm. this rule was passed had to think, you know what, let's put this in. This is a really good idea. It was written because of what? Do you remember when Mike Tomlin tripped the guy? Tripped the guy on the sideline that was running up the field? Now, I don't know if that's review. Maybe a play like that where Fischl didn't see it and just thought he what? stumbled over the turf. Help me out with this one. I don't. He stuck his foot out and purposely. Got, yes. Well, he said it wasn't purposely, but it was purposely. It, looked, it was a regular season game. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's probably why I don't remember. It. And this is probably six, seven years ago, something like that. Maybe a play like that, or I don't know. A fan comes out of the state. I don't know, and and tackles a guy running <laughs> in for the winning touchdown. Well, well they, the ball's they, dead. They, he, went, he'd have a bunch of opportunities about, to sign with teams if you're running down an NFL athlete. Well, he comes from the other way and just knocks him out, and you know, from the sideline and knocks him out of bounds at the two. Game over. Yeah, Sorry. but don't you just award the touchdown on that? I mean, well, I, don't, it, I guess right. No. What was the rule written for? It had something had to have caused them that body sitting in a room somewhere. Uh, if Aaron says his way, they'll be in Montana. Isn't that what he said yesterday? Yeah. Uh, they're going to sequester him in, in Montana. And I took a shot at Grand Forks and somebody was listening oh, no. to Grand Forks and reached out. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there. An think earthquake? An knocking a guy in, yeah, running in for a touchdown? and That's an act of God. I know. I, if just, there's an earthquake like that, then sadly there's, you know, there's carnage right, yeah. in the, you know, the Superdome as it's standing. Uh... What would lead him to overturning the result of a game? I want to know why the rule was written in the first place, because there's your answer. Call your buddy Florio. Yeah, you He's probably a little Florio. busy, huh? Yeah, you got to pay for Florio. <laughs> Big money, too. He was the, There was a time that he was reasonable yeah. and was a good guest before he exploded. And this was a hobby for Mike Florio. Yep. Mike Florio was, and, and still is, an attorney. Mm-hmm. And... 
profootballtalk.com, we got him. I don't know how we got him. Well, we paid for him. But there was a time he was only he was limiting himself to only appearances in NFL cities, in oh, NFL markets. Okay. And, and was it Peralt that got him? Well, anyways, we had him for a few years, a number of years. But he's just too big. Yeah. I mean, this was before NBC brought, bought his website, made it a part of that umbrella. And we're going to talk to Rob B- Doster coming mm-hmm. up. He's, uh, he falls under that umbrella with college basketball talk. Um, yeah, I'd love to be able to call Florio and find out why the rule was written. Uh, let's take a quick time. I don't want to ask you, but the Hall of Fame announcing, announcement is coming up in three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. It looks as though Rivera, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez are going to get in. Mike Mussina is going to be close. I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. I don't either. What are we missing? He's a really good pitcher. Let's dig into it. And then we're going to come back and talk to Rob Doss. We don't have a lot of time, so that's probably doesn't warrant a lot of time. I mean, Mike Messina doesn't move the needle here in Des Moines, <laughs> damn it. Uh, but we'll talk a little baseball when we come back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Millery Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Rob Doster, NBCSports.com, college basketball talk in about seven minutes or so. So we got a couple of minutes here, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. Right now, let me give you the latest as far as the public ballots. This was as of, today's the 22nd, right? So this it was as of, uh, as of 11.15, so 20 minutes ago. All right. Uh, 221 ballots have been made public. Mariana Rivera has 100% of them. Roy Halliday is going to get in. He's got 92.9. Edgar Martinez is finally going to get over the hump. After getting close last year, he's at 90%. And Mike Mussina is clinging to 81.4. Here's the thing that surprises me the most. We've seen in a moment. Bonds and Clements have never gotten out of the 50s. Right now, they're both at 71%. You need 75% of all votes to get in. I don't think the old guard voters necessarily, if I had to pick a demographic that isn't willing to show their work, Mm -hmm. I would think it's the old guys. Sure. Right? And when I say old guys, I mean... Guys like you? Right. (laughs) You know? I said it because you didn't want to. No, I know, but I'm there now, right? Uh does that make sense to you that it's the yeah. the guys the the longtime baseball writers that are just not going to show their work until it's over? So my point is is Clements and Bonds right now at uh, twenty five minutes before noon thinking yeah they got a chance but I bet you they slide backwards as opposed to getting closer. You do I See, do I I think they're going to continue to increase. No, I mean I, today's vote today's vote right I, oh because I, they're I, on the precipice right now. now. I got you. Yep yeah. yep I follow you there. Yeah probably I don't think they'll get but it's it's going to they're going to get there. They're get, it's, every year it gets closer again. They're, they're I don't think they've been out of the fifties right now they're in the seventies. What year is this for those two guys? Do you know offhand? Oh, I don't. They're seemingly. Fourth year, fifth year, right? Maybe it's even more than that. It could be, could be longer. Yeah, six or seven. Yeah, are, are they going to make them wait until year ten, the I final year? At least they won't fall off the ballot, right? I don't know. You know what, Trent? As the air quote old guard passes on, yes. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing where I am <laughs> and how I phrased it. Um, 
I think that the young people, and I don't, they're probably, and a lot of them probably aren't newspaper guys. Yes, there's a lot of dot comers that are now getting the privilege of voting. I would think Matt Snyder, who we have on during yes. the summertime from CBSSports.com, right? He joined the Baseball Writers of America as a full member, I think, two years ago. Mm-hmm. You have to be a writer for 10 years. Before you get a chance. Before you get a chance. And Matt Snyder, he's my age. He's in mm-hmm. his 30s. Mm-hmm. He's been covering baseball for a long time. But and to think he's got to wait another eight years before, before he gets a chance. He even gets a chance But when he does, and guys like him, will mm-hmm. it be easier for them with the steroid era now decades behind? Absolutely. Right? There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah I and, think and, so too. And then you get into more of those fringy guys. You get into a Sammy Sosa type. 600 career home runs. Yeah. Not even close. And once we see Bonds and Clemens get in, and they will get in. I think eventually. Ultimately. Yep. It will happen mm-hmm. for them. Then you get into that next level, guys. And maybe that's something that mends the fences there with Sammy Sosa. But what a weird situation that it mm-hmm. continues at this pass. I might have to ask Cappy about uh, Sosa well, later. Well, by the, the way, I'm glad you brought up Cappy. We won't get him until Thursday. So it's delayed one day for Cappy this week. And we want to talk some baseball with him. Speaking of that, though, no David Kaplan tomorrow. How about Austin Blythe getting ready to play in a Super Bowl? He'll join Miller and Condon tomorrow right about this time, 1135. And you're sure about that? Locked and loaded. Good. Thank you to Levi and Hawkeye Heaven for the hookup there. And uh, we'll be talking to a guy playing in a Super Bowl in, a, in what, 11 days. Not 11 bad. days. No, that line, that offensive line. Uh, I'm really happy for the left tackle. Whit- uh, Whitworth, uh, Andre Whitworth has spent his entire career, with the exception of the last couple of years in Cincinnati. I don't think he's ever played in a playoff game until this year. Maybe one. No, I don't know if he did. Yeah. I don't know if he did. Uh, so that, that's going to be good. Outstanding work there on your part. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk to Rob Doster. Uh, NBCSports.com. College basketball talk. We'll go around college basketball. When Miller and Condon continue, we're 24 hours away from talking to Austin Blythe. How about that? On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hey, it's Heather from the Morning Rush. Join us tomorrow at 6 a.m. from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. Trent Condon here again for New Leaf Well. If you're tired of being on the sidelines of life, New Leaf Wellness can help you out in a myriad of different ways. From testosterone replacement therapy to migraine treatments, advanced weight loss, wellness injection therapies, food sensitivity testing, and a whole lot more. Speaking of that, going on right now, it's their food sensitivity test combined with their weight loss evaluation about this 20% off at New Leaf Wellness. Thinking about Valentine's gifts, they have you covered for that too. Farmhouse Fresh Skin Care products going on right now. And if you make a $15 purchase, a free gift comes along with it. Free, that's for me. Speaking of free, free consultations going on right now. No obligation today at New Leaf Wellness Center. They're located at 3930 West Town Parkway in West Des Moines. You can find more information at newleafcenters.com. Or just give them a call, 650-1358. That's 650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. Make sure to tell them that Trent sent you. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. I want to tell you about uh, Fuller Dental, a couple of locations. You can see them on the web at fullerdental.net. My doctor, doctor, my dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Uh, If you're new to the area, you can't remember who your dentist was. It's been so long. 
Uh, if it's time for a new dentist, uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Fuller Family Dental has a couple of locations. East 29th Street in Des Moines, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, or 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, accepting new patients at both locations, fullerdental.net. Let's talk to Rob Doster, NBCSports.com, college basketball talk. He joins us. Hello, Rob Doster. Trent and Ken, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. I'm... Uh... I'm happy to be back. I'm glad that we can connect. Hopefully you'll give me 16 minutes again today like you did last week instead of cutting me off after eight minutes. I know we've got f- we've got 14 minutes left of show, so let's make the best of it. You can have each and every one of them. There's been some terrific games since we last spoke. Duke, Virginia, we saw Michigan get knocked off by Wisconsin. Michigan State last night, I thought a statement win. Granted, at home against Maryland, Kansas, Iowa State was good. Let's start Duke with Virginia. And what did you learn specifically? No, you know, no Jones, uh, Virginia. Virginia, very good, unbeaten. What did we learn in that game, Rob? <laughs> well, we learned that, that I'm an idiot and that I need better friends. <laughs> after uh, so I spent all of last week explaining to people how Trey Jones is the most important player on Duke, how he's the guy that can't be replaced, how that team can't reach their ceiling if he's not there to, to let R.J. Barrett play off the ball or uh, you know kind of be the, the, the point of their defensive attack. And, and well, I think all of those points, are justified in a way. Like, I don't think that my thinking was wrong. I think that I just overvalued it because, like, in what world is Zion Williamson not the most important player on Duke? And this is why I know I need better friends because I said this everywhere. Last week. I you said, said it to us. Yeah. I said it on, on, I said it on this show. Yeah. I said it on my podcast. I said it in two columns that I wrote. And, 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 and nobody, nobody came up to me and said, hey, Rob, I need you to think about this. You are saying that Zion Williamson, the best player in all of college basketball, the soon-to-be number one pick in the 2019 NBA draft, is not the most important player on his team. That's how I know I need better friends. I need you guys to be better for me next time so I don't embarrass myself like that again. See, I got your point because I, I knew where you were going. I could, I could buy, I was buying into it. <laughs> hey, that, that's the problem. Like, I sold it well. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, just, I just sold the wrong thing. You know, I'm like a fire festival guy. So <laughs> nice. we see Virginia go down. He still walk away. I, I walked away still impressed by Virginia, even at a loss there. Michigan loses, though, against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Tight game at the end. John Beeline, though, he doesn't understand the rule of intentional fouls. What, what was happening there? And I thought a bad look for Beeline. I think the mo- one of the most respected guys in the business. Yeah, you know, he just didn't realize that uh, any foul off the ball that is intentional is, is going to end up being... Um, a flagrant. I don't know if it's like technically a flagrant necessarily. I, I don't know if that's actually the word they use to, to define that kind of a foul. But everybody should have known that, that you're not allowed to do that. Like they've changed that rule. They've taken it out of the book. I think it's a good thing. I don't think that you should be allowed to just pick whoever you want to go to the foul line. You know, if Ethan Hap has the ball, like if he gets a defensive rebound there and you foul him immediately, I got no problem with that. Put him on the foul line. But the issue is. You can't just pick and choose who you want to go shoot free throws by fouling them intentionally off the ball. I'm glad that is a rule. I think it's the right rule. And, you know, I'm not one necessarily to criticize John Beeline, obviously, since I don't know that Zion is the best player in in all of college basketball. (laughs) But he probably got that wrong, and he definitely should have known what that rule was. Now, that said, it didn't cost him the game. You know what cost him the game? Izzy Bradley didn't score. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what you know what cost him the game? Charles Matthews finished with what five points. Yeah. Jordan Poole uh, did not play well at all in the second half. Like that's why they lost. They mm-hmm. lost because they couldn't score. 
And that's the biggest issue with this Michigan team is that, you know, we know how good they are on the defensive end, and we know what they can be on that end before and how stifling they can be. But they can go through long stretches where they don't really have a guy that can go and take over a game. And, and you know, this was my biggest concern with them coming into the season. Last year they went through some of these exact same stretches. I don't know if you remember that tournament run, but there really was only one game where they actually looked like a good offensive team against Texas A&M. I think they hit like 14 threes, put up 100 points on them. But every other game that they, they won was like 63-62 to 62 and ugly and grinded out and defensive-minded and just not a great aesthetic basketball to watch. And I thought that's what they were going to be this year, especially when you factor in they lost something, Robinson. They lost Muhammad Ali Abdul Rockman, and they lost Mo Wagner. Mm-hmm. And when you lose your three best offensive players off of a team that was already not great offensively to begin with, that is not ideal. And I think that we saw a little bit of that come to fruition against Wisconsin on Saturday. Well, Brzezikas didn't score for Michigan. Last night for Michigan State, Ward didn't score. And he's, I think, averaging about 16, somewhere around there. You know, every time I watch this uh, this Michigan State team, the last couple of weeks in particular, I'm starting to think, you know what, um, I might have underestimated Izzo yet again. I-, I thought that was a statement win because I thought that Maryland was, you know, uh, climbing the ranks in the Big Ten. Cowens is a really nice player, and Cowan did nothing last night. They took him completely out of the game. Winston was fantastic. But should we be including Michigan State now when we're talking about the best teams in the country, or are they not quite there yet, Rob? Um, I think that they are absolutely one of the best teams in the country. I'd make the argument that they are the best team in the Big Ten right now. I think that they're probably better than... Well, I'm sold. Just because they, they, they're they able to be really good offensively, and they're good enough on the defensive end. And, and when it comes down to it, the best teams are the ones that have that balance, right? I, I always get a little bit concerned about teams that aren't elite on both ends of the floor. And Michigan... State is that. You know, they are watching Cassius Winston operate in transition and the, the hit ahead passes that he makes and the split second decisions where he catches the ball and boom, it's out of his hands, 40, 40 foot pass right on the money to a guy for a lane. It's just there aren't people that can do that. There aren't many people in college basketball that can do that. He's one of them and it's a lot of fun to watch and it really makes him dangerous. You know, and, and I, I don't, I, I've heard people saying that. It, this Michigan State team, after losing two lottery picks, is better than last year's Michigan State team. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, simply because if you look at last year's team, they went, what, 30-5? and five? And I know they lost early in the NCAA tournament, and they kind of got stifled by that Syracuse zone, which you know can stifle anybody. They, they, I mean, Syracuse just went into Cameron and beat Duke. You know, they, they, that, that zone can, can kind of mess with anybody. So I, I don't necessarily know if I buy the idea that this team is better than last year's team, but this team is definitely better than people thought it was going to be during the season. Rob Doster joining us, NBCSports.com, as we talk college basketball. Get into the Big 12 last night. Kansas does it again. Uh, Iowa State was the better basketball team for long stretches of that one, but a 14-0 run, certainly the difference there. Well, Lawson was a pretty big difference. Too. Yeah, he <laughs> was really good. Inevitable, though, are, are, are you going to come out with another hot take that, I don't know, Baylor's going to win the Big 12. Mm. What do you got for us, Rob? <laughs> Well, I don't. I have no idea who's going to win the Big 12. I just know that Kansas is at least going to have a share of it. Mm-hmm. And I will say this until uh, for the rest of my life, until they end up losing, is that I'm always going to say that Kansas is going to win the Big 12 until they don't win the Big 12. It means I've been right for 14 straight years, 
and that's the only thing that I've been right about for 14 straight years. So I'm going to keep riding it. Uh, I, I will say this, though. I do think Iowa State, I think you can make the argument that they're the most talented team in the Big 12, and I think that they're probably the most dangerous team in the Big 12, simply because they have the offensive firepower that I don't think anyone else in that league has. You know, the the, the, the thing about the conference this year that kind of thrown me for a loop is that there are so many teams that are really, really, really good defensively that have absolutely no ability to score. Mm. You know, look at Texas Tech. They, they they go through long stretches where they can't buy a bucket. Jared Culver's really the only guy you can yep. trust to consistently make plays. If you sell out to stop him, then where else are they going to go? You know, Kansas State is a team. I think that they're they're different now that Dean Wade is back, but he just his passing ability and the space that he creates uh, when he's out on the perimeter makes them much more dangerous. And I think we've seen that with their last four games. But that's still a team that is built around their defense that can go through long stretches where they can't really score. You know, so um, I, I think that I, that's what makes Iowa State dangerous. And I think that they're probably the most talented team in the conference. And that is, I'm saying that even as, you know, Lindell Wigginton is playing like he only has one foot and Cam Lard is playing like he forgot mm. how to uh, play basketball without fouling. So, that those two, the thing about it is those two. Cam Lard was probably there were stretches where he was like the best big man in the entire Big Twelve last season, let alone just the best big man on Iowa State. He's not playing like it right now. And Lindell Wigginton, I mean, he was what preseason first team mm-hmm. Big Twelve player, and I, and you know he can't even crack a starting lineup with a couple of freshmen. So I, I just I think that they still have the highest ceiling of anybody in that conference, and I would not be surprised. If come selection Sunday, they're one of the teams that I'm picking to, to you know to make the longest run. I just think that they're built that way. Um, and honestly, like I'm not all that concerned about going into Bog Allen and losing by four to this Kansas team. It's a little worrying that they weren't able to get Kansas State at home. But I mean, Baylor's going to beat some people at home. That, that's yep. just the, the nature of the Big Twelve. You know, everybody, no one is no one's great. Everybody is pretty much the same team. And the, the same quality of teams. So losing a road game to Baylor is not all that concerning to me. The, the one that is a little bit of a red flag is uh, Kansas State. But even there, you know, I think you can make an argument that that with Dean Wade, Kansas State's the best team in the Big Twelve. So it's it's going to be a fun conference race to watch play out. I just think that Iowa State at this point probably has the highest ceiling of anybody in the league. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to back that up 100% because the Baylor, we thought it was an awful loss, but it really jump-started their turnaround on their season, and they're picking off good teams now. And K-State with Wade, it was his first game back in the lineup uh, when uh, they knocked off Iowa State. Uh, the game was in, uh, the game was in aim, so that kind of resonates a little bit, but I, but I can see where we're going. My last thing for you, Rob, I'll let Trent finish up. Um, let, let's fast forward to Saturday. We got the SEC Big 12 challenge. Somehow West Virginia gets Tennessee, sadly. Uh, but Kansas and Kentucky are going to play, and I would think that that's probably, you know, on the top of the marquee as far as the matchups in this one. I think Kentucky's getting better. I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, it's, it's got the makings of a pretty good matchup. Yeah, you know, Iowa State, Mississippi, no one not bad. Yep. saw that coming, but that's going to end up being a really good game, too. Uh, but yeah, K- Kentucky against Kansas is going to be a lot of fun. I'm mostly concerned when it comes to Kansas, is, you know, how do they operate when Ashton Higgins is going to take away uh, anything that they get from the point guard spot? And that's kind of what he does and what he's been known for. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas can kind of run, uh, run offense against, um, you know, Kentucky and, and, and what they're going to be able to do. Uh, the interesting thing, at least the, the, the X factor in that matchup is going to be how 
uh, Kansas deals with P.J. Washington or whoever is at the four for Kentucky because what, what Kansas is basically doing is playing small. You know, they're, they're more or less doing the same thing that Iowa State is in that they play three wings that can all guard up and all guard down. And, and Marcus Garrett, Gerald, Vic, uh, Ochai Ekbaji, I think I pronounced that right, yeah. and um, Quentin Grimes, who, you know, honestly, I think they need to bench Grimes for Ekbaji because he's been, what he provides them defensively is better than what Quentin Grimes does. And if Quentin Grimes isn't going to make shots, then bringing the guy that's going to, you know, knocking down a couple of threes in Ekbaji. So, um, It'll be interesting to see who can kind of take advantage of that matchup. You know, will P.J. Washington be able to slow down Agbaje on the perimeter? Will, uh, if he gets stuck on Marcus Garrett, is he going to be able to keep Marcus Garrett from turning that corner and getting to his right hand? Uh, so that, that and, and will either of those guys be able to keep P.J. from kind of doing what he does within 8 to 10 feet of the basket? Because, look, I'll be honest, I think P.J. is probably one of the five, six, seven, eight most improved players in college basketball this year. I, I came into the season thinking that he wasn't uh, really using all that impressive. And, and I'm sitting here now, and I'm like, he's probably going to end up being a first-round pick. He's been really good. Rob Doster, NBC Sports, College Basketball Talk. We'll talk to you a week from today. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Always a, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Thanks, good Rob. to talk to you. Rob Doster, uh, NBC Sports. You know what's really fun about college basketball as opposed to college football? Every night. Well, it's, it's every night. I'll give you that. But it's Clemson and Alabama in every conversation. Yes. You you can squeeze a bunch of teams into the conversation. You know, at the top, I'm talking about. Who had Michigan making a run to the championship yeah, game a year precisely. Ago? Loyola. Right. In the precisely. Precisely. Uh, we're out of time. Look Austin Blythe tomorrow. tomorrow. Austin Blythe, amongst other things. Good get out of you, Trent Condon. We're back tomorrow at 10. And, uh, Keith and Andy... At 2, Fanatics follow 1460 KXNO.